God smites down people who don't tithe with their whole heart. Apparently, pastors don't like setting up chairs on Sunday morning. And the apostles set a dangerous precedent for disobeying government mandates. Welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. My name is Keith, and this is Brandon. We are pastors here in Gospel Community Church, something, something, in Santa the, Cruz, in California. The, yeah, in this church at the Santa Cruz. Yeah, whatever. You know. We're pastors here in Santa Cruz, California. Come visit our church if you're in town, and like, subscribe, comments to Daily Gospel. Yes, yes. I'm so glad to be on the internet.com sharing this Yeah, the interwebs. Of, yes, yes, the truth of God's Word. Yeah. We are in the book of Acts, man. Um Let's let's just jump in and kind of orient ourselves. If you missed the last video, you're um, a failure, and <laughs> you need to go back and watch it. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Months, X. It's, it's not it. that hard to watch a video. Um, let's talk though and tr- kind of locate ourselves in the book. So we saw last week the first couple chapters were the intro and the birth of the church, yep. and now in chapters three to seven, we're focusing on Jerusalem. So we're going to see the expansion of God's plan from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. Being, yeah, I love how we talked about it. it's like the opposite of what was happening in the gospel. We see it narrowing to Jerusalem and the crucifixion and the resurrection. Yeah. And then we see it, the gospel going out again and the church starting. It's yep. pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. So we're focusing on Jerusalem, chapters three to seven, and we'll touch a little bit on Samaria in chapter eight. There's some good stuff in chapter eight as well. So well, that's where we'll get today. So let's jump in. Chapter four. Chapter four. So Peter had just preached a sermon, upset everybody. This is as, a theme. As, as preaching upsets people in the yes. New Testament, it's just par for the course. Exactly. No. People don't like to hear the truth of God. So the, they're brought before the council, the, the Sanhedrin, essentially, right? They're the, some of the same leaders. So they're brought before the priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees. And this is amazing because don't forget, there's no time gap between Jesus' resurrection mm-hmm. and this. I mean, it's two months, you know? Right. It, there's not much that's happened. So. This is incredible that they're now dealing with people proclaiming Jesus in an even more powerful way after they killed Jesus. Right. They they solved this problem and yet here it is again. And so they arrest um, they arrest Peter and and John, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Um, yeah. I don't I don't see the names written here, but so they arrest them and they uh, verse 4 it says but many of those who had heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. So they wow. have an even better day than on Pentecost. It's amazing. <laughs> so they're, they're having a revival. The word is still multiplying and being powerful, even mm-hmm. though they've tried to imprison those who are proclaiming it. Yeah, it's so, like, I love uh, it was a Tertullian's quote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Yeah. It's like, dude, you can't stop the church from growing. Yeah, The more exactly. you try to stop it, the more it grows. Absolutely. So they, they are brought before... Annas and Caiaphas, these are the same guys who put Jesus on trial. <laughs> and they, they speak to them with, I mean, powerfully, right? They say, let it be known, verse 10, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Wow. Woof. So they're challenging them. And then they quote the same passage that Jesus quotes. In verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So th- that's quoted by Jesus in Mark chapter 12, the parable of the tenants. So when he speaks of you know the tenants that kill the, the son to get the inheritance, he's saying, I'm that son, 
and the stone that was rejected has become the cornerstone. Mm-hmm. So you missed it. You missed what I was doing, and you missed the plan of God. Right. And then verse 12 is, is key. And there is salvation, the big theme there, right, salvation. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Yeah. So the salvation theme appears twice in that verse, and the name of Jesus Again, as we saw in chapter 4, verse 10, right? A couple verses previously, and then chapter 3 as well, and I guess in chapter 2. So there, <laughs> the name <laughs> of the Jesus, the name of Jesus, <laughs> the name of the Lord is what saves. And so these guys are obviously confounded. They don't know what to do. Right. The council has their time together. How do we fix this problem? It's interesting that we have this inside view to the council maybe because people were converted from that council. I mean, this is mm. the council of the priests. Yep. We'll see a mention of priests being converted in, in the book of Acts. So maybe that's why we, we know this. Yeah, but and we've seen other people from that council converted already, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah Joseph later, later Amethia, Nic- Nicodemus. Nicodemus, yeah. And so, yeah, totally. So um, they, verse 16, they, this is their strategy. They say, what shall we do with these men? Um, and then they say, well, let us warn them not to speak in the name of Jesus anymore. So they give them a strict <laughs> order. You cannot Mistake. preach the name of Jesus anymore, okay? It's not good for public health. Yeah. People are being upset by it. Weird. People are, you know, yeah. there's going to be, I mean, it really, it isn't. The name, preaching Jesus is not, like when you look at Paul going to different towns and riots starting because he boldly proclaims Jesus. That's like a normal occurrence. <laughs> so I get it that rulers would not want something that upsets the order order. of society that they want to build. But their answer is great, right? Verse 19. But Peter and John answer them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Breach. You know, you can decide if your order is correct or not, but we are compelled. We can't help speaking about this. Yeah, it reminds me of Daniel almost. It's like, yeah. We're going to do what we're going to do. God can save us. But if he doesn't, you know what? We're still going to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And how convicting should this be for us? Uh, They're saying, look, we are so compelled that even your threats of our safety, of our life. I mean, they killed Jesus. So they could easily kill these guys as well. But for them to stand and say, no, we are so compelled to preach. When we live in a society where the cost to preach Jesus is very low. Yes. Very low compared to what they had to pay. Right. And so there is a cost, but we should be so much more bold to share when we have an opportunity. Yeah. The good news of Jesus. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, classic, you know, uh, Western perspective on it, but like we don't experience suffering, but there is great suffering for Christians in the world today. And so, yeah, yeah like let's, let's, let's have courage even in the small circumstances where we need to have courage for Jesus, you know? Amen. But, Amen. So we have uh, the, the, they're released. They're told not to preach, they, but they can't do anything to them, right? <laughs> and so they go back to their the other disciples, and they begin to acknowledge the sovereignty of God. They have this this praise time, and they're just they're just acknowledging that that God is sovereign here. So they begin to pray together in verse twenty four. They say, "Sovereign Lord, sovereign is the first first word there, right?" I'm not sure if it is in Greek, uh, to be honest, but <laughs> so I shouldn't say it. But the, the sovereignty of God is what's going to be focused on here, that God is in control. His plan is being unfolded even through their persecution, or especially through their persecution. Right. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And then they quote from um, Psalm 2, which, which is going to be quoted from a couple times in, in Acts. 
And they say, verse 27, Truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. So this is kind of the picture from Psalm 2 of the nations coming together to oppose God and his anointed one, his Messiah. Mm. So they're saying, look, all these, these authorities were assembled together, verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Boom. That's sovereign God. So what did they accomplish? They only accomplished exactly what God had planned yeah. they would accomplish. So the evil, the evil actions of men, evil actions of men in the most evil act in human history, right? Yeah, can't exactly can't derail the plan of God. But more than that, it's it's exactly working toward the fulfillment of well, God's plan. I mean, plan. we talk about all the time Genesis fifty, right? So yeah, it's just yeah. You, Man Genesis it, fifty twenty. Yeah, you know, man meant it for evil. God meant it for good. So yeah, exactly. So one action, right? One action, so, two yeah. intentions. Yeah. How does that work? We don't know fully, right. but we do know that that's the reality. Yep. God works through the sinful actions of men to accomplish His greatest purposes. Yep. So, and they don't ask God to remove their suffering, right? Verse twenty nine, they say, and now look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boom. Love it. I love it, man. They, they, yeah, they, they're going to rejoice in the suffering a lot. That's the whole application and takeaway for today. Just do that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Preach the word and pray that God will give you endurance through suffering. Yeah. And then we see at the end of the chapter that they are giving away the proceeds, giving away their land, selling land to give money to the church. And we meet a man named Barnabas, who, mm-hmm. is, who is a hero of mine. <laughs> underrated. Barnabas is super underrated. Verse 26 says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas is going to be an important figure. He is, he, he discovers the apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he, I mean, God saves him, but Barnabas is the one who brings him in and gets him to do his ministry, right. which changes the entire course of of humanity, right? right? So Barnabas is a big deal. And later it says about Barnabas in, in chapter 11, verse 23 and 24, that he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So he's he's really singled out as saying somebody is a good person is not very common in the Bible at all, and especially in Acts. So there's something, he's a man of character and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, hmm. okay? So Barnabas is an important figure, but Right after Barnabas, we meet Ananias Fun. and Sapphira. Yeah, um, great, they great couple. They are the foil to Barnabas. So they're going to, instead of giving generously, they're going to give for their own benefit. Instead of being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to be filled with Satan. And instead Bummer. of you know prospering, they're going to die. die. They're going to die. <laughs> but this is, man, this is a, a really important section, I think. Chapter 5, this, this story of Ananias and Sapphira is kind of weird to most of us. Right. But so important. So it, it, there's a few questions you could ask, right? Like Peter, so what happens is Ananias and Sapphira decide, hey, this is the, the vibe right now. People are selling land and giving it to the church. We'll do that too, but we'll only give part of the money to the church. Mm-hmm. But we'll say it's the whole thing. Right. We'll say, oh, we're just like them. When really, you know, kind of, I'm sure there was a, you know, sort of a notoriety. You wanted to be well known for being generous, but then you don't want to actually give. So the sin was not the giving. I mean, being generous, you can give however much you want. Yeah, it was withholding, yeah. It was yeah. lying about that and yeah. lying to God. So Yeah, I guess I could have withhold and said straight up what's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. So. so what's weird here, though, is that Peter condemns them. 
Yes. Peter, who denied Jesus, is condemning them for lying. <laughs> How is that fair? And, and, you know, why is there such a severe punishment? Okay, you lied. That's bad. Maybe you should, you know, go through church discipline. But yeah. being killed <laughs> is a little extreme. But I think that this story sort of parallels the story of Achan in Joshua yep. chapter 7, right? Who took some of the spoils of war from, uh, from Jericho that he wasn't supposed to. And then he hid them and lied about it. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they suffered a defeat. So there was sin in the camp. Yeah, they, they suffered a defeat. Out, yeah. and, and that was so serious because God was in the midst of Israel. Mm. He was walking with them. And so sin in the camp becomes a very serious thing. Right. And in the same way that God was present back then, God is now present with his Holy Spirit now in the church. Interesting. Uh, we, would, we would say in a much more significant way, even. <clears throat> So the idea here is that God's spirit is living among his people, filling his people, and therefore the way you conduct yourself matters a lot. So what does that say about the Christian who has sin? That's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you should stop. <laughs> but so he says here, right, um, uh, let me see here. Where does it say that Satan filled his heart? Oh, yes, verse 3. To the beginning here, right? So Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? So Satan is filling his heart instead of the Spirit. Hmm. So there's the contrast. And then he's lying not just to men, but to God, right? right? Um, that's what he says at the end of there in verse 4. You have not lied to man, but to God. So this shows us the, the importance of the Holy Spirit's presence in the church. Mm-hmm. That if God is walking in your midst, you need to strive for holiness. And this puts fear in everyone's heart. Yeah. In fact, this is the first mention of the word church in the book of Acts. Interesting. It's right here in this story. So that says to us something, right? Verse 11, and great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of those these things. So this is not a small story. This really shows us a lot about what the church needs to be mm-hmm. and how much purity matters. Um, and then, so what happens is Ananias is struck dead for lying, and then Sapphira comes in later, not knowing, and you know because they pull it away the body, and then she's like, Sapphira, <laughs> is this true? And she says, Yeah. And he's like, Well, you're gonna die too. Right? <laughs> the guys who took your husband's body away are waiting to take your body away too. Boom. So the <laughs> holiness matters a lot in the church is is the takeaway there. Um, and then we see some you know amazing signs and wonders done by the apostles, like I said. Peter's shadow when it passed by, people would heal them. Pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. I mean, it was really a display of power in a sense that's greater than what Jesus displayed. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. You don't even need to touch them. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so they they're arrested again. The apostles are arrested again for preaching, and then in verse nineteen, an angel comes and opens the door for them and says, "Go back." To basically to where you were and speak the word of the Lord. And so <laughs> they decide to have the trial in the morning. Hey, let's go get the prisoners. And then, wait, they're out preaching. <laughs> wait, it's all locked up. The guards are still there, but no one's inside and they're preaching. So they're they're just being schooled, essentially, by by God's power and by the Spirit. Uh, it's pretty pretty awesome. And then they say, so they, they bring them back in. They get angry at them. And they say in verse 28, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They already told him what they were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> they said, we're not listening to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're dumb. Uh, I mean, I think it's really an ironic statement there, right? Because they're saying you're trying to make us guilty of Jesus' death, which is absolutely already true. Right. But then kind of another ironic aspect of it is 
you want to put the blood of Jesus on us. And it's like, yeah, of course we do. We want to yeah. see you be saved. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Um, but they, they respond with, uh, in verse 31, right? God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Um, so again, that salvation theme coming up, very, very important. So Jesus is the savior of God's people. And then we have this council discussion where Gamaliel takes center stage. So Gamaliel was a hugely important teacher at that time, mm-hmm. also the teacher of Saul. Mm-hmm. Right. So Saul becomes Paul, was taught by Gamaliel. Mm-hmm. We'll find out later, I believe, in the book of Galatians. I'm not totally sure on that. Yeah. We'll 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 get there when we get there. But um but Gamaliel's wisdom is to hold off and to see if essentially if God is in this movement, it'll thrive and you'll be opposing God. Mm. And if God's not in the movement, then it'll die. Yeah. So what's what's the point? And of course we see over the course of Acts and even today, the church has not died and it's shown nope. the signs of of life yep. by God's grace. So an endurance. Love Chapter it. six, we have the appointment of deacons. Ah, I love it. Yeah. Yep. Why do you love it? Well, I am in charge of deacons at our church, and it is has been quite a quandary to start. <laughs> if you ever try to define what a deacon should be at a local church, it's not. I mean, you could say it's deacons are servants of the church, but it gets a little more complicated when you try to actually. Yeah, yeah. As, a, as an office, establishes an office, but it's great. I I like the the end goal because then I don't have to move chairs Sunday morning. You know, I like that. <laughs> so, well, we have pews, so <laughs> we, we, we used have to have to pews. move those every service. My word. Yeah, church planting with pews as you're seating. <laughs> Yeah. Not, not yeah, we, wise. We were much more, uh, you know, athletically fit back then. But, uh, <laughs> Less injuries. Yeah, <laughs> the spirit definitely helped us with that. So yes, so they appoint deacons to keep the apostles focused on the teaching of the word and prayer. And this is where we're introduced to Stephen and to Philip. Love it. So these to guys, Cindy. You know what I love about these deacons is they preached as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Now, these these are powerful leaders. Yeah. Um, and then we see in verse. Seven, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So the word of God theme is active, right? It's increasing. Mm-hmm. It's it's doing its work. Yeah. Um, you could even call this book the Acts of the Word of God. Right? Right. I mean, how many times it's mentioned? Anything but the Acts of the Apostles. Anything, <laughs> You know what I just realized about, um, you know, we're talking about like gifting sometimes and like the office of the apostles in this and, and the guys connected to the office of the apostles have these more miraculous powers in order to grow the church, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, Philip uh, has been teleported all around to preach <laughs> and no one today talks about being teleported around really. I mean, maybe some people do, but I don't hear it very often. I think, I think Joel Osteen is teleported by his private jet. Oh, yeah, I that makes the, sense. I stand corrected. Yes. Yes. Well, anyway, let's continue. <laughs> Call it the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I was lifted by the Holy Spirit to come and preach here today. Oh, poor Joel. Um, so they accuse Stephen falsely in order to kill him. Yeah. Right. But in so they hate Stephen's preaching. He's upsetting people. He's not just being, preaching. He's preaching. Oh, he's preaching. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And they, he, he gets a chance to respond to their accusations. So he gives this long sermon, speech, whatever you want to call it, where he essentially, I love, you know, I've read this a few times before, and when I first read it, I was like, what is, this is just kind of a rambling speech. Like, I don't get what's going on here. 
And then as I read through it more, I'm like, he's bringing up every example where the Israelites rejected God's messenger (laughs) and tried to kill God's messenger. And then he's ending by saying, oh yeah, that's all you. So so (laughs) it's brilliant. So he starts with Abraham. So he goes through a whole history of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then he mentions Joseph in, in verse nine. And he says, the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. So, and, and, and God used him to rescue them from this famine. Mm-hmm. So he's saying they hated Joseph, but hey, God used Joseph to bring salvation. Right? Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of something. <laughs> and then he talks about how Pharaoh oppressed Israel in verse 19 and how Moses was raised up, but the people of Israel rejected Moses' salvation. Verse 25, right? So he... He had struck down this man, you know, that he was kind of looking to save his people. In verse 25, he supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand. Mm-hmm. So they reject Moses, and in fact, Moses has to flee because they're so thick-headed. Right. And then in verse 35, he again focuses on Moses' rejection, right? This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? This man God sent as both ruler and redeemer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. So, hey, this rejected Savior becomes a redeemer mm-hmm. and a leader. Interesting. And then he talks about a prophet like Moses, right? Verse 37. Moses tells them, God's going to raise up someone like me in your midst. So maybe that prophet would be treated the same way as Moses, maybe. right? I mean, it's kind of implied. And so he just, he just keeps going, right? Verse 39, um, how they... He says, our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside. And in their hearts returned to Egypt. And he speaks of the golden calf incident. And then he says, verse 42, but God turned away and gave them over to worship the host of heaven. So God curses them and and they are led into, he gives them over to disobedience. So the point of all of this is set at the end, right? Verse 51, (laughs) you stiff-necked people uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your father did, so do you. Mm. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Boom. Yep. Wow. So he just punches them in the teeth and, and with the truth of the gospel saying, this has been a theme you don't still don't see it. You're still blind, and they respond by killing Stephen. Yep, by killing Stephen. So Stephen, uh, maybe his strategy was off, or maybe he doesn't care about what <laughs> happens to him in this exactly, life, and maybe yeah. he's okay with going to the next life. So Stephen becomes the first martyr. Mm-hmm. We see this reaction. They're grinding their teeth, and they're they're full of rage. And Stephen, it says, verse 55, he full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So he has a similar vision to Daniel in Daniel 7, the Son of Man vision. And they are so infuriated by that, right? They actually cry out with a loud voice and stop stop their their ears ears and rush. They have their fingers in their ears or their hands over their ears and they're running toward him to kill him as quickly as possible. They don't want to hear this at all. And they stoned him, and they laid their garments down at the, at the feet of a man named Saul. Verse 58. So dun, Saul dun, dun. enters the picture. Yep. He's going to be this arch nemesis that will turn good. Spoiler. Sorry. It's been 2,000 years. I can do spoilers, right? I don't do spoilers. 
And he and falling on his at his knees, verse sixty, he said, "Lord, do not hold this sin against them." And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So he dies. Oh wow, man! Amazing, powerful. Could we? May we all end our lives like that, right? Now, chapter eight. There's some good stuff here. We don't have a whole lot of time here for this, but we see the church scattered and this movement towards Samaria. So a big yep. shift in the book. And there's this this talk of Philip in Samaria, and he encounters Simon the magician. Yeah, lots of healings and, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the original David Blaine. <laughs> David Blaine, is he, is he even around anymore? Probably not. No. Uh, David Copperfield, that's even older. <laughs> um, and so he, he's praised by the people. They say, in verse 10, they call, this man is the power of God that is called great. He was so great. He was the greatest, <laughs> the best. Some people say he's the greatest magician ever. The best, the greatest yes. of all time. Um, and it, but he's converted. But then he sees this power that the apostles have to give the Holy Spirit, and he wants to buy that. Mm-hmm. And Peter rebukes him for this. Right. This is not something you can buy. You cannot buy the gift Wait, of God. But you can't earn the gift of Jesus? No. Wow. No. Wow. It's good. We'll get more into that later on, too. Yeah. That's really good. And then we see the Ethiopian eunuch, the easiest a eunuch? evangelism. A eunuch is, well, I'll tell you when you're older. I have you know, a great way up. of explaining what a eunuch is. Oh, no. Yeah, so males and females have each of them have two fruits. Mm. Females have two fruits on their chest, oh, and wow. males have two this fruits. Is going bad, you know, in their pants. Oh wow! And a eunuch is when the two fruits of the male are no longer there; they've been pruned off. Oh, that's a terrible explanation, <laughs> and I'm deeply offended by it. And we just spent thirty seconds hearing that. Oh my gosh, can't get that back. Um, I apologize to everyone who's having to hear this. So this this eunuch from Ethiopia, right? So an angel sends Philip to minister to him. This mm-hmm. is the, this is the easiest evangelism ever, and he he goes up to this guy's chariot, and the guy's reading Isaiah fifty three. Hmm, what who's this, this guy who's going to suffer? <laughs> Can you explain this to me, Philip? <laughs> Philip says yes, and gives gospel. him the gospel. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and he converts him, and he's baptized, and it's awesome. But it, we're seeing this expansion. So this is. It's weird because I said this is the Samaria section, so why do we have a, a Gentile here? Well, he's a God-fearing Gentile. So we're seeing yeah. this kind of progressive expansion. Yeah, he's some Jewish. Some Jews, and then kind of like yeah. half-Jews, and then Gentiles who are God-fearers, and then it'll be Cornelius in chapter 10. That's like so the main, just out. that's like the big Cornelius, is like the big Gentile. Yeah, right? yeah. and Ethiopia uh, famously early on in the church you know, had a strong Christian presence there. Mm-hmm. So um, this, is, this is an amazing expansion. We're seeing expansion down into Africa. We're going to see it into Asia and into right. Europe as well. So Very cool. Pretty awesome. Gospel's going out. That's right. Well, that's all we got time for today. We will continue the book of Acts next week. Next week, thanks for joining us for Daily Gospel.